Hey everyone, and welcome to Screams After Midnight. I am Peter, that is Tim. We talk about horror movies on this show, and on this week's episode, we have another new release, actually. In fact, this is not even this week's episode, because this and the last one are both brand new releases, which means they're both going up pretty back-to-back with each other. Um, but, so you get two this week, so hey present which is actually really generous given that october is just around the corner and we're going to be doing like 10 episodes a week (laughs) that's an exaggeration but you know like lots of extras in a couple of weeks time but anyway uh so we're doing mandy we're doing mandy this is a nicholas cage starring film uh uh, panos cosmatos if i'm saying his name remotely right uh is the director of this and had you seen his previous film because he's made one movie before this called beyond the black rainbow which i have seen i yeah, I I have not seen the whole thing. I feel like I started watching it like okay. late one night at like one o'clock and like just passed out. <laughs> because um, I, I, so I, I want to set this short up. Short answer, no. I, yeah. <laughs> I want to set this up. I love Beyond the Black Rainbow. I'll, okay. and, and that's a movie that when I showed it to other people, they all hated it, right? It's a movie that's so weird and like art house and like like you know full of like bright lights and like weird symbolism and and synth music it's, it's it's a movie that most people that if you show it to them they will hate but those of us who are film nerds who get off in this kind of stuff loved it i loved it i loved that movie so the fact that when i really obviously the trailer for mandy was really interesting looking and then when i learned it was him directing it i was like oh baby okay right you've got my attention and then you get nicholas cage being crazy on top of all that like yeah okay i'm into it so we're going to start spoiler free as we often do and then we'll give you a warning in the middle before we go into spoilers that's what we're going to do the premise of mandy is really simple there is like a, a weird cult of people there's also this weird demonic biker gang which we'll save that mostly for spoilers but they exist let's just say they exist but the weird cult decide they want to kidnap mandy which is nicholas cage's wife he plays red and they they take mandy uh she basically rejects the the cult and as a result they kill her and from there it's a revenge movie it's nicholas cage is not obviously not very happy about this um, and as Tim, as someone who's about to be married, I think you probably sympathise <laughs> with this character that his wife has been killed in front of him. So you're like, yeah, let's go kill the bad guys. Yeah, uh, yeah. For the record, I I don't stand for that. If uh, if someone <laughs> kills my wife, I'll definitely you know be out on for revenge. Yes, yes. Um, of course, my joke there was that the idea that you have to be married to understand the motivation that you'd want to kill <laughs> someone for murdering your wife. But um, but that's that's the movie. Like, that's it. The, the plot's really simple. It's a revenge movie. The execution of the movie is anything but simple. <laughs> so, it is without 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 no further delay. I will ask him the question. Tim, did you enjoy Mandy? Oh, baby, did I? Um, yeah, I thought this was phenomenal. Uh, I was uh lucky enough to see uh see it on the big screen uh last week oh and... here we go nicholas cage was there he was wearing leather <laughs> pants it was so cool i'm a hot shot my guy in hollywood blah 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 well that was very cool i wasn't gonna bring that up well maybe later but uh, <laughs> but just the uh but just the idea that this movie absolutely looked and sounded uh just phenomenal on the big screen and yeah like you said it's a very simple movie it is very like art house like it, it almost feels like two different movies because the first half feels like it's very 
you know, like slow and kind of like dreamlike. And it just seems to be more about like, you know, the story about these kind of like two lovers. And then like the second half, you know, it, it still kind of maintains that same quality while also spiraling into like, yeah, just this crazy, like gore fest revenge yeah, movie, I mean, which to, to put it simply in terms of thematics is that the simple ideas here is that it's all tranquil and peaceful until Nicolas Cage snaps and then it becomes frantic and then it becomes like quick paced and then it becomes like erratic and you know like weird cuts and like all this weird like quick yeah. flashes of symbolism and all this other nonsense and, and and he is so like perfect uh in the role too like it, it just you know uh, like i i love nick cage but you don't always know what you're gonna get with him and this is like this is like that ooh, that really good nick cage where like yeah give me more even though he's obviously acting like super weird and crazy but in the way that you just <laughs> absolutely the, love the, the, but the, i is... think he also pulls off like the quiet stuff too no he does but there is like two moments in this movie that we'll get to in spoilers where he did make me laugh because it was nick cage being crazy nick cage and okay. I don't mean it in a bad way, <laughs> but I, I, I can't help but laugh at Crazy Nick Cage because it's kind of a thing so, at this point. It's a, it's a, it's a it, meme at this point, is Nick Cage yeah. being so, Nick Cage. So let me ask you, because uh, I haven't seen Beyond the, like like I said, Beyond the Black Man, yeah. but like, I haven't watched all of it. But I, I do want to go back and watch it now. But are there moments of levity in that? Because it's not like, 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 there definitely seem to be a few beats in this movie that are played for humor. And like, it, you know, it's not like, you know, like, like super silly wacky humor but just like you know it's kind of humorous in mm. like the moment or the situation but is I, there anything like that in his other movie i don't actually remember any humor in the other movie no it's, it's got a very similar kind of like art house tone with all the synth and the the symbolism and the the, the slow moody atmosphere it's, it's got all that stuff but it's um like the, not so much the humor okay i'm just curious i mean I'm still yeah. uh, obviously interested but but it, it's a it's just really interesting to me how it all gels uh together and it's you know the I, i'm i'm just enthralled in the beginning just by the like uh, the cinematography and like you know the colors in the movie are so uh amazing it's just beautiful to look at oh and yeah then, the, the scenes where yeah. The, the entire room will just be bathed in red or green and there's no reason for it or why it's suddenly red or green it just is <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and you just go with it because yeah, why not? Like, sure, <laughs> let's make it pretty. So then, so then for for the record though, how do you feel? I'm I'm getting a sense of how you feel, but I don't know. Maybe you'll still surprise me. Did you like this? Or <laughs> <laughs> oh, Timmy, 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 Timmy down the well in the dark, not knowing what's going on. <laughs> what? Hey, it's always a Timmy down the well, right? This is just we've established this in the past. That's fair, yeah. It's always Timmy fell down the well, right? That, that's your legacy, right? <laughs> I, I don't know what the, yeah. the Peter legacy is. I don't, I don't know if there's like a stereotype for who Peter is. I, I feel like there's extremes in all the, every end of the spectrum. There's... The guy that eats pumpkins. <laughs> I hate pumpkin, no. <laughs> P- pumpkin pie is like one of the, the worst abominations of mankind. Um like pumpkin pie definitely i don't I don't like pies in general though mm. i think on the pie spectrum it's a little better <laughs> than most i think yeah i'm not i don't like apple pie any sort of pie that has like like fruit and pie we're not meant to go together like I, pie to me is something to meet inside it <laughs> so you know <laughs> oh yeah meat pies are good yeah um but yeah that's just that's just you know it's, it's a cultural thing more than anything else but uh 
I mean, the short answer is yes. I freaking loved it, but the, okay. the, the more complicated <laughs> answer, yeah, the more complicated answer is, um, like it's a confusing film, not in its plot, but just in what it's trying to say about certain things. And there's one scene in particular that I think we're going to sit and analyze and try and figure out later, and okay. you know, it'll, it'll be an interesting approach to it. And it's like it's one of those films where I'm like, I feel like there's meant to be things that it's saying and. I've not heard the director speak about this or Beyond the Black Rainbow, but I feel like he's going to be that dude. He's going to be that guy who says, well, I'm not going to tell you what it means. I, w- I want the audience to have their own interpretation of what it means. And I appreciate that. I, you know, I love David Lynch. I love Stanley Kubrick. And, you know, and like any director has ever said that. Like, sure. They're usually really smart and, good, you know, uh, enjoyable dudes in terms of the work. But <laughs> you, you, I get that feeling. It's like, okay, right. And But it's the kind of thing where with this movie... I could totally buy that there is no meaning. Like, it's just supposed... To, like the, the point is that none of this actually means anything. The, the the crazy cult who believe all this shit and they're this, like... And it is kind of related to actual Christianity, but it's obviously this weird extreme version of it where they believe in all this other stuff. And Jeremiah is this cult leader who's, like, really extreme and all his followers, like, follow him devoutly as if he's the second coming. Um, and you've got all this and... Like... Like this could all mean something or absolutely nothing, and that could be the point that they're they're just insane, mm. and they believe all this, and yeah. you know that's it. But yeah, yeah, I I I think like people might think that, um, like they might have more assumptions uh, about the movie than what is uh like I th- I think they might be surprised at how uh, straightforward uh, that you know the director saw it and. Uh, <laughs> Again, not to brag, but yeah, I did. You know, he was oh, the, the Q and A that okay. I went to, but like, but the yeah, he definitely he didn't like come across like as a you know like a, a stuck up like you know snobbish art guy that was trying to say like oh like you know this represents this this represents that like he actually seemed more like you know like a like a straightforward dude like he seemed like like a regular nerdy guy like us and like he you know and he was just saying stuff like how his favorite movies growing up were like evil dead Two, And, you know, a lot of the stuff like, you know, uh, Kevin Smith was the, uh, the moderator or whatever. And like, when he'd mm. ask him questions like, Oh, like, you know, what do you think of when you did like this scene or something? And the guy, like a lot of times he just kind of be like, I, I wanted to do that scene. Cause it was cool. Like, you know, I, I think maybe people might be surprised at how straightforward. I, fe- it, it I is. feel like that's almost weird that he just, he just thinks this is normal. <laughs> this movie. He just thinks, no, no, this is just a straightforward movie. Like, like why, why don't other movies look and sound like this, where they just kind of cut yeah. to these weird symbolic <laughs> images. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, I can respect that. I can respect that. He's a lot more candid than, than that, but, uh, it, no, it's, it's, it's full of, I, it's, I, I can, yeah, there you go. Well, oh, just uh, I mean, this is definitely one of those movies where I mean, like you said, it is like uh, you know, kind of more of a you know, film lovers kind of movie. Uh, it's definitely not something that you know I would show everyone. And if someone told me that they hate it, like I, you know, wouldn't necessarily be surprised depending on the person. Like, uh, you know, like I, I really loved it, and it's you know, it's actually like it's been almost a week since I've seen it, but it still like has stuck in my mind. Just some of like the visuals and you know stuff in it mm. uh so i i yeah I, I loved it but i i definitely understand like how yeah this is not something that's for everyone yeah i mean i i think it's downright hypnotic it's a hypnotic movie yeah. you're just you're just kind of sucked into um and 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 it's funny like how like you know some stuff that maybe 
in, in another movie we might criticize more like if there was like if there's a plot thing or something that we're like oh i don't really know about this like like this doesn't make sense why are they going for that it's kind of funny how like stuff like that you could maybe like let go a little bit more in this where it's it is like yeah like the story is really not as important as like just like being wrapped up in just the look and the sound and the feel well, and the atmosphere of the movie. I think that's why it's important that the the core story is actually really simple because you don't have to worry about it too much because the the, the, yeah. the the point of the movie is clearly to be about how it approaches the story, not what the story is itself. It's about how it treats these different scenes and how, you know, it, it's, it's a filmmaker's movie, I suppose, like, uh, to, to sound pretentious, I guess, for, for a minute. Um, in, in this movie, I think that's it's apt to say. Yeah. Like it, it just like it's full of all these things where it'll just, it'll just cut to these bright colors. It'll cut to shots of planets. It'll cut to close-ups of eyes. It'll it'll do all these things. It'll just mm. be sitting there as synth music plays, and it'll be kind of sweet. And then later on, it'll be really like this red pulsing like baseline under the 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 the, the, the overall scene where the cult leader's like just spouting prophecy nonsense about how important he is, and like you'll just have scenes like that. And it, yeah, but it works. It, it kind of. It kind of like in a weird way almost feels like a like a heavy metal fantasy movie <laughs> like <laughs> like there's like weird like kind of like I feel like a lot of like imagery of just like sorcery kind of mm. stuff like you know like it kind of fits in that like with that book that she's reading uh, in the movie or even but then just there's the, like uh, you know like the, the, she keeps wearing t-shirts that are so she's got like a black sabbath t-shirt yeah. on at one point and she's got a what was the first shirt she was wearing it was another band it was another crew yeah, it was Motley Crue. Yeah, it was another, it was another band of yeah. kind of that, that that rough era. Yeah. Um, but then there's stuff like there's like you know animated sequences, and then like you know just like the designs of the you know someone like the, the demonic characters. It, it has yeah. like a very like it, it, like there are parts of it just oh this feels like a heavy metal album cover it, <laughs> like come to light like fat points. It's um it's an artistic vision for better or worse. You you could hate this, but. I think the one thing you can't see about this is that this is not one man or one, you know, in this case, it's a oh, man. Yeah, uh, one one yeah. person's just unadulterated, like uncompromising vision of a movie. You know, it's not it's not been tampered yeah. with. No one like stepped in and said, "Hey, you should make this more palpable for the for the, the mainstream audience." <laughs> no, no, no. Th- yeah. This is just his thing, and this is all, this is always more exciting to me because there's. This is a really obvious thing to say in a lot of ways, but I feel like this bears repeating for pe- for people who do like just mainstream movies. I think it is worth repeating that when you make a movie by design, by committee, by how can we sell the most amount of tickets to the most amount of people, right? You have to make it work for a lot of different types of people. You have to make it work for everyone to an extent, or most people. And that by its nature is less interesting to me than something that only, like, you know... Something that's only going to have a cult following. It's only going to be like this, like you know, five to ten percent of the, of the audience, even less than that, really. I mean, if you think about the population of a, of you know the yeah. world, but like, but it's for those people. For those people, they will love this. It will be completely, utterly, and everything like the passion, and it'll be uncompromising. It'll be just that one idea, that one direction. Whereas you you look at something like. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of two examples on either side of the spectrum of the same same concept to really compare it. Like, um, I mean, take take Avengers, right? Which is not this is not. A, I love Avengers. That's a great movie. But take Avengers and take something like Unbreakable, which is not going to appeal to as many people as Avengers, but it's very focused. It's very specific, 
and it's one person's artistic vision. It's not. It's not really compromised in any way. They wanted to do their take on this, and they didn't like stop to try and make it more palpable for everyone else. Um, and to me, that that in many ways is, is very exciting and very interesting. And I like that passion that goes into something like that. Not to say there's no passion in Avengers, which is why it's maybe not a great example because Avengers is actually a good movie. Uh, maybe a better example would be like a big budget movie where it's designed by committee. Um, and they try to like justice league. Justice league. There you go. Yeah, like they, they tried to fix it and they tried to make it work, um, and it it didn't. It didn't. But like this, is like yeah, this this won't work for a lot of people. But because of that, because it will only work for the 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 small group of people that it will work for. But for those people, it's like really working. Like it's like off yeah. the off the charts. How how much this appeals to them and how much it it speaks to them as a as a viewer as as a as a consumer of art to again sound pretentious but like like it works for them and so, so so i love that it's just no this is one person's insane vision and they did not compromise a single thing they just went for it um for oh yeah it's worse. yeah it, yeah it, it's definitely like unforgiving uh like there's doesn't really seem like at any point that they're like oh you know, is the audience gonna like this or or not? It's like, yeah, very clearly, just one person being like, yeah, this is what I I want to, you know, portray, and, and that's one of the things that's like interesting about it is just having that like kind of singular like focused vision. Yeah, uh, and obviously, yeah, really interesting. That can backfire if the people with the vision don't have talent. You know, again, yeah. you always like to bring up uh, the room with Tommy Wiseau, but that that was one man's artistic vision, but it, it went down the toilet <laughs> in the best way possible because it's hilarious, but. Like you know, that's where it can fail because, but th- that's why the 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 genuinely entertaining, terrible movies tend to be the ones that are just one person's vision, where they really believed in what they were doing, they really cared about it, yeah. there were there was passion in it, even if it ended up being terrible. Whereas obviously this I think works out because I think uh, Cosmatos is actually really talented and knows how to achieve what he's going for. It's this weird hypnotic. It's almost like every scene is kind of that scene from two thousand one. Where he's going through the void, <laughs> like everything, okay. yeah. everything feels inspired by that to some extent. <laughs> that mixed with yeah. some eighties like, sort of like you know atmosphere, mixed with some you know over the top like violence and gore, mixed with I don't know a bunch of other stuff. But it's definitely his concoction, right? Mm-hmm. With with without any any hesitation. So, uh, yeah, that's good. And again, I uh, yeah love me some Nick Cage. Like I'll definitely. You know, uh, take take uh, as much of him as as I can get. And again, yeah, I loved him in this movie. Uh, yeah, I loved him as kind of just the, you know, quiet, soft spoken, loving husband that, that was like making like cheesy jokes, and then, yeah, to like the crazy blood spattered like revenge seeking dude. Uh, it, it was just yeah, really fun. Yeah. Uh, anytime he's on screen. Yeah. Uh, also, there's a small cameo from uh, Bill Duke who I've not seen in a long, long time. He's a uh... Yeah, he's he's the guy he, he he goes and gets weapons from in the movie. And he was of mm. course in uh in Predator. He was in Commando back in the eighties. Uh, the last time I saw him, I think was like Battlestar Galactica. He was in an episode of Battlestar Galactica, and that was like two thousand five, something like that. So it's been a long time since I've seen him in anything. Uh, but that that was just a cool little oh yeah, I like him. Nice that he popped up. But I think we'll I think we'll move into uh into spoilers. We'll we'll just we'll dive in now. I think uh, I I think if if you're someone who's going to hate this movie you've probably gotten that impression from everything yeah. i've said so and far I, <laughs> yeah and, and i think the trailer is a pretty good litmus test like if mm. 
because I, I think when we watched the trailer, you know, we were like drooling. We were like, oh, oh man, yeah. I can't wait for this. If you watch it and you're kind of like, mm, I don't know, then it's probably not for you. Yeah, yeah, that's true. The, the trailer does not betray i mean the only thing that's different about the trailer maybe is that there is some slower pace sections which the trailer maybe doesn't show that part of it but other sure. than that if you're into the trailer you're going to be into the movie it's, it's kind of a an honest trailer in and of itself and i hate that i used that phrase because honest trailers are the worst <laughs> but um so yeah so so obviously so Mandy gets killed and the way that scene is shot is so like I feel like there's so many scenes in this movie like that you want to like talk about any of them. So like, we start with him cutting, you know, chopping down wood, establishing that he's good with his hands and that he uses chainsaws because it's important. But he comes home and like, you have this sweet moment with the joke and they're lying in bed that night and they're lying there and he's asking her, you know, just kind of like, close, kind of snuggling and he's just kind of asking, oh, how, how was your day? What did you do? And she's like, oh, I read, I read that book, that book on, on the galaxy, on the cosmos. Uh, which I think is important for the themes because there's a lot of uh, cosmic imagery uh, sprinkled throughout. And he's like, oh, so you're liking it then? Well, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, it's really fun. What's your favourite planet? He asks her what her favourite planet is. She says Jupiter. And I think as dumb as this conversation kind of is, because it's a really basic conversation, although it does end with the glorious, oh, wait, Saturn's not my favourite planet. Galactus is. Galactus like. isn't a planet, <laughs> but he eats planets. That felt like a planet. yeah. That felt like a really nerdy, <laughs> nerdy conversation at a movie yeah. like this. I don't know. It felt like, whoa, there was, there was a Galactus reference in my Nick Cage yeah. crazy. Don't this I, movie. I feel like it. I, I feel like it fits the character though. Like it's not like, <clears throat> like it does seem like something he would like. But at the same time, it's also not like. I, I feel like some movies you might get like a super. Like, mm. they would really, like, nerdify the reference. Like, it wouldn't just be like, oh, my favorite plan is Galactus. It would be like, my favorite plan is Galactus, specifically from issue 214 in which he fights the blah, blah, blah. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, it, it, like it's not, like, overly specific, but it's less well, like, oh, okay, this is just, like, it, this is the kind of stuff that they like. It was so unexpected to me that I didn't get that he was making a Marvel reference until he actually said, well, he eats planets. <laughs> I was like, what does he mean Galactus? Is that, like, because I thought, oh, is that a planet, like, in a different system that I don't know? You know, like, does he just know more about planets <laughs> yeah. than I do? And he's like, oh, but he eats them. And I'm like, oh, it's a Marvel joke. Okay, okay. <laughs> right, moving on. Uh, it, but It does feel kind of weird now because it's like before, like, you would get comic book references, but it would, like, it would, it would feel more, like, realistic because it's like a, you know, it's like, oh, like, it's a thing that not everyone knows about or whatever, but real people might talk about. But now it, it, it does seem kind of weird now that it's like, Oh, are they referencing this other movie universe that, <laughs> I don't know, it's like, it's kind of I mean, interesting. To be fair, it's like one of the few things they can talk about now that still proves that they're kind of nerdy because Galactus True. has not had a proper movie version yet. I mean, yes, yeah. technically there was a Galactus <laughs> in Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer, uh, <sighs> but less said about that interpretation, <laughs> the better. But, Agreed. Uh, but, you know, if someone started talking about Iron Man now, I would be like, oh, that's just pop culture now. Everyone knows who Iron Man is. Yeah. But if that was 15 years ago when someone referenced Iron Man, I'd be like, whoa, someone talked about Iron Man. That's weird. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So things have changed in that sense. But, yeah. but as bizarre as this conversation is, as stupid as it is in just in a sort of little bonding moment, I think it oddly kind of sets up some themes. Because I feel What's like... That? When she describes Jupiter, she talks about how there's the storm's been raging for a thousand years, and I feel like, and it could swallow the entire Earth up. I feel like that's kind of what happens to him. 
this storm, this this religious storm of these crazies. Not that these people specifically have been around for a long time, but the ideas that they're they're promoting, the the beliefs, the the extreme extremism, the craziness has been around for a long time, and he's swallowed up by that. And everybody talks about um, Galactus, and she's like, oh, he eats planets. I'm like, yeah, he becomes Galactus. He eats the, the planets, <laughs> if you will. And then the back true, half yeah. of the movie. Like, I don't know, I was just I was thinking about it later on. I was like, that, that conversation has a lot more meaning to it. Um, also, I learned something. I learned that Saturn was the first planet we discovered as, as, a, as a civilization. Oh, that's right. That's a neat yeah, little I didn't realize fact. that either. Yeah. Which makes, <laughs> it makes sense, because I think in my head, I assume we discovered the ones that were closest first, but... You the, the, think so, yeah. But but it actually makes no sense that they would because if you think about it, they're always moving. You know, they're always in uh, rotation of the sun at different, and they all move at different speeds. So of course it's just kind of random which one we found first. In fact, it makes sense that it was one of the biggest. I mean, Jupiter's bigger, yeah. but you know, Saturn's the second biggest one. It makes sense that that was found early. Yeah, and then I'm Pluto always surprised was, when like you know last. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm always surprised when I'm hanging out with someone and, like, they'll point up to the sky and they'll be like, oh, look, that's, like, you know, Mars or whatever. I'm like, how can you tell? It just looks like a really bright star. Like, mm. I don't know. I always think that's interesting. But... Yeah. I always get jealous of, like, movies that are set in, like, other planets, but the, the, they've got, like, neighboring planets that are so close you can actually see them, yeah. like, really proper. I'm like, oh, man, that'd be cool. That'd be proper. <laughs> but It's I mean, always, like, really cool visual. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you kind of see that in some of the weird trippy sequences in this at various points but uh so basically so we spend the first half hour of the movie just introducing to them and it takes so much time showing their routine and them just lying there talking about uh stories because she tells them a story about how her dad made her ki- try to make her kill a bird and oh, yeah. uh like she, he made all the other kids kill birds because they he hated the birds um because they wouldn't leave the the fruit tree alone and she ran away she didn't want anything to do with it um and again, it's tied into the idea of like passive, you know, uh, you know, being passive as opposed to being violent, mm-hmm. and how he's going to become violent later on. It's, you know, it's just tying into things. But the villains are introduced. Yeah, oh, go. I was like, uh, just like in general, there is kind of like a theme of like hunting in the movie. Mm. Um, like you see, like there's, a, I, th- I think early on she comes across like a wounded deer uh, in the forest. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Which is yeah. kind of what what she ends up because she's hunted later on and i think yeah um obviously the idea that he is like her right now and he is he is um you know he's not a violent man but he's going to become that he's going to be consumed by the storm if you will uh as i was yeah. pointing out from jupiter but the villains are introduced the cult are they're, they're just driving and they see like, they see mandy walking a lot uh jeremiah the leader just sees her and is like hypnotized by her beauty and mm-hmm. then we see them later on they're at like a motel or something and he's like, he's like, hey, send my second in command in. So send in brother Lucas or whatever his name is. And he comes in and he's, he's kneeling down next to him. He's really close. It's almost like they're going to kiss. They're so close, like their faces. <laughs> yeah. He's like, brother, I need that girl will be passed. That woman, I need her. I can't live without her. I need you to go and retrieve her. He's like, consider it done. And there's this really great moment where he pulls out this stone. And it turned, the entire screen turns green. But only in the close-up of the stone. It goes away when it cuts back to the, the, the two-shot. It's like, oh yeah, so it shall be done. And they're like, oh, we need to give an offering. It's like, oh, that fat one, we'll we'll give him. I don't like him anyway. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of the thing. Uh, but this is where I got some of the craziness from like, the villain and how he was going to act because there's a moment in this scene where when he's talking to the first woman before he says, go and get him, he asks her to do something and she says, her response is literally the, the phrase, okay. 
as as in she's agreeing mm-hmm. she's going to go do it and he gets angry at her because she's took the time to say okay instead of just immediately doing it and he goes i told you to get him now and it was he's, he's really like <laughs> over the top and it was like oh shit okay yeah. this is where the craziness is coming in i'm, I'm getting the, the the vibes off this guy but, yeah. yeah and it's you can tell it it's like so well done the way the bad guys are set up because uh, like really like there's nothing that crazy about them. they all kind of look like regular normal people but just the way they're filmed in the music and everything makes them feel so menacing like just that you know first shot when they're in the car and they you know pass by mandy walking and you know yeah. they all are kind of like looking at her like you get such a sense of like tension and like you like you know something bad is going to happen to her and it but like it's uh it's just crazy like how well that you know it's conveyed just all through you know just like the camera and the music and the lighting and everything oh absolutely um and so basically when he says okay consider it done he takes a two of the cronies and they, they're, they're waiting out in the van and i naturally think oh they're, they're waiting near our house or something like that that to, to, to <laughs> grab her instead they're there to make an offering to a higher power which turns out to be this insane, almost Cenobite-looking uh, biker gang. And again, everything goes red. There's all this smoke red, and red light coming through the smoke as these bikers appear. One of them's really spiky. So, one's got a creepy mask on. They're all very different. So now, one thing uh, I, I wasn't completely sure about, uh, so uh, i only seen this once, but I want to watch it again. Um, I, I'm not sure if I missed something, but are these actual demons, or are these just like... They they mentioned um, I think that like uh, these were the people that took like the bad acid or whatever and they kind of went yeah, crazy. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of open to interpretation if the if the if there's okay. actual supernatural like cosmic entities at play here or if it mm. is just no 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 they took some bad LSD and they're all psychotic now. Mm. But I kind of like that interpretation because I like the idea that the 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 the, the cult the religious nut jobs think they're this this higher being, but they're really just other crazy people. And they just yeah. put them on this pedestal. There's something I like about that. That there's just everything about this is just completely psychotic. Uh, but he offers a stone, and they offer they offer like blood, and then they offer the sacrifice of the the, the fat guy. And then we get a scene where they help them break into the house and like, you know, tie up Nicholas Cage with barbed wire, and then they've got Mandy. The whole thing. I mean, is this is great. Shit. Like with the. Yeah. Yeah, and just they're like when they're sleeping, and like even just even before anything bad happens, just like the shot of them sleeping is so great because it kind of has this like um, you know, these big windows in the background. It almost feels like they're kind of in the forest, like even though they're in their bed. But then, yeah, once everything starts going down and like the lights are flashing, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's and then these creatures a, are appearing. A strobe effect. It's like a slow yeah. strobe, and my cat's like knocking my. There's <laughs> uh, a slow strobe, and every time it like flashes, there's like someone else is in the room, and they're all moving forward. It's got a very kind of very imposing sort of presence yeah. uh, towards the camera. And like, yeah, and and it feels like something that could easily have been like <laughs> done very poorly, in, like in a different movie or something, or something that might have been annoying. Where it's like, oh, like what what are they trying to do? But again, here it's just used so like effectively, and it just you know looks so cool and gives like you know these creatures like already like look so kind of menacing and scary but yeah just like you know when you factor in just all this like light and effects and stuff it really just amps it up and <laughs> you really get scared yeah uh no it's just real good and they, they kind of leave they, they leave the cult to their, their own 
you know, like, okay, now you've got them. We're, we're gone. This is your thing now. And they drug Mandy. They give her like an eye drop, and they 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 they, they, they sting her with a, a, a kind of an insect. Yeah, some kind of big insect. Mm. And they they bring her through to the main room where everyone in the cult is, and the leader Jeremiah's up, and he's got a robe on. Which immediately I went, okay, we're going to see his dick. I've just I had a feeling <laughs> the, the the second I saw what he was wearing, I was like, he's going to open that, uh, and he does, he does, and and it kind of just adds to the scene because his character is like this, you know, he's he's basically talking a lot of mumble jumble about how God chose him for a higher power and how how he was there for him, and ultimately this scene and what I kind of like about this is like how much about this is really just about his ego. Because he thinks he's important. Oh, yeah. he, he is taking to believe that he is important because of uh, what he believes he's been told from God or how he believes he's been chosen. And when he kind of presents himself and says, you're going to join us, you're going to have the honour of bedding me because, you know, that is an honour to anyone, basically. And she, she, she laughs at him. She actually goes downright demonic at one point in the way she sort of laughs mm-hmm. at him and speaks at him. They put this demonic effect on it. And not only is the screen completely red and bathed in red light, there's like a... There's like a almost a haze effect where she's kind of ghosting a little bit where she's like a sort of double lover uh and the whole thing is like she can you're kind of in her head because she's kind of out of it there's a great moment in this scene where he gets really close up in his face and it starts to blend both their faces together so oh, he's yeah, talking yeah. but it's kind of her face and it's it's just it's so trippy and then she starts laughing it gets very demonic and then he gets so insecure and starts screaming at everyone not to look at him uh, and yeah. no, it, it doesn't cover up. He just starts screaming at everyone individually, like "Don't you look at me? Don't you look at me? Don't you look at me?" And he gets so erratic. And it, and it's great because it's like the one thing that you can really do to like, you know, shake him off his thing. Uh, is just you know, like she's basically taking away like all his power because like all he really has is the fact that he, yeah, is basically like you know touched by God that he's just like you know. Uh, amazing being and just the fact that anyone like would dare laugh at him and treat him that way it's like it's like he he's already like someone that we've seen like snap at you know the tiniest provocation and it's just real interesting like to see his reaction uh you know in in this like thing that you can't even like comprehend because i think of everything this movie's maybe about this type of guy this type of guy who thinks everything Mm -hmm. just belongs to him and like everything's there for him and the, the idea that anyone challenges him is like, oh, he has to prove his worth. He has to, you know. So that this is why you know, he 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 comes out, and he has to be a little Nicholas. Nicholas Cage is tied up with a uh, barbed wire, and he comes out and he, he's like, hey, you think you two have love? You pathetic human beings. You're just meat. I'll show you what real love is. And the youngest of his cult, this this young girl, who earlier on he asked for at the end of the scene before the guy left, and it was just kind of implied that he wanted her for sex, and that was kind of where we left it. He asks her to come over and he's like, do you want to see what true love is? Do you want to see what true love is? Here's true love. And he puts one bullet in the gun, right, and spins the, the revolver. And it's the, obviously, it's Russian roulette, basically. And he gives her the gun and he says, show him how much you love me. And she's crying and she's very hesitant, but she does pull the trigger. And she doesn't die, nothing happens. But it's like, I'm proving to you that this is someone who really loves me. What you have is nothing. This is true devotion. Um, and it's this really sick thing. And then the rest of the scene is like this really trippy, hypnotic, one... No, it's not one shot. It, it does cut back and forth to Nicolas Cage. But it's largely this really slow uh, slow motion shot where the characters one by one come out and they carry out like the, the wife's body. And they've got it in a sack and they burn it in front of them. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think the most effective part of this scene is when it cuts around all the faces of the cult and they're all like just 
sinister and happy and they're, they're all elated by what they're doing except the younger one the, the young girl uh I mean, she's a woman but you know in terms of age she's much younger than everyone else mm-hmm. and she looks a bit more like horrified by what what's happening uh which is notable because yeah. she's the only one that he doesn't kill later on he lets her go because he sees humanity in her um but everyone else obviously comes after and but it's just everything about it is so it's like it's slow slow motion it's, it's like it's not even half speed. It's like even less than that. It's like just as he slowly brings her out and sets her on fire, and they just leave him there to die, just to starve basically. But he gets out of the the barbed wire and he goes over to the body, and it's actually this really depressing, sad scene as he holds the skull of his wife when it's surrounded yeah. by nothing but ash, and it's like you can't even recognize her now. <laughs> like this is this is depressing. <laughs> yeah, man. The one thing about this movie is it is brutal. Like oh, there's a. Yeah. Uh, you know, like stuff like that. Even that, like you know, you don't necessarily see her on fire, but something about the, you know, seeing her writhe in the sack as it's on fire is just like so upsetting. And then, yeah, like, because they could have pulled a twist. They could have told us this was someone else later and say, oh, she's really still alive. Because oh, sure, we, yeah. we never see yeah. her in the sack. We just see the sack and there's a person mm-hmm. in it. But yeah, uh, it's really dark. And then like a. And then even stuff like with Nicolas Cage, like, you know, it's not enough that he's tied up, but he's tied up with, like, barbed wire and just seeing him struggling and then, mm. yeah, just kind of, like, imagining that, like, oh, like, yeah, yeah, like, is there anything worse that you could, like, be trying to get out of? And he, uh, so actually, here's, here's where some of the moments where I said I laughed because of the crazy Nick Cage elements of it. Uh, can I come into play? It's when he walked, after this scene, he walks back into his house, because this all took place at his house. Like, he was outside, like, in the backyard. He comes into his house and he's in because they took him from bed. He's only wearing a t-shirt and his underwear, and he walks into the 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 the, the main room of the, the house, and he's in his underwear and a t-shirt and he's got blood in his his hands and a little bit in his face, and he's looking around really confused. And I'm not gonna lie, I laughed out loud at this moment because it kind of looked like Nick Nicholas Cage was just confused that he was on a movie set rather than the character <laughs> yeah. was like was like you know distraught by what just happened. It looked like Nicholas Cage as an old man just walked onto a set and went, "Huh? What are we shooting today?" Uh, and that really made me laugh. And then the other thing is when he goes into the bathroom and he tries to like clean his wounds with alcohol a little bit and he, he drinks some, he just starts screaming over and over again. And I'm like, "This is Nicholas Cage. Okay, we're getting yeah, this pro- is yeah." Yeah, this is like prime Nick Cage. That's great. And then this is like a, I I, I kind of love this scene. Like it's, I feel like it's weirdly, um, may, maybe doesn't fit the tone of the movie, but in in a way, I, I think it's kind of why I like it when he's just watching the TV and it's this really weird commercial for this uh, these things mm. called cheddar goblins, which is like this macaroni and cheese. But like the commercial is like so weird and over the top. Uh, but it like. I don't know something about it. I love and then yeah, just like Nick Cage, like watching it, just like you know, he's just like in such utter shock and like so confused. And it's just like a weird like juxtaposition between this really goofy, silly commercial. Yeah, uh, and then he goes, gets his weapons, of course, and we even get like this montage of him making an axe. Like he actually forges an axe. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's this really badass thing as well. That's it's really angular and has a. It's like it almost is unsafe to even hold. There's, 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 yeah. there's not even really a, like a proper hilt on it to, or not even a hilt, just a, a handle really to to hold it. Because axes don't typically have hilts. So that's more more of a sort of thing. Although now I want to see an axe yeah. with a hilt on it because I think that'd be funny. But, <laughs> that would be cool. But yeah, and he, he goes hunting and he he, he he finds these and it's Bill Duke who tells him that he, he's heard these rumors about the guys who took the acid and they became these bikers. 
and he goes to find him, and he he finds the first one, and then he, he gets captured, and he escapes his capture, and he he's killed a t- couple of them. I th- I think this where it really gets gets insane though is the third one that he fights in the house is is the one with the uh, the sword dick, I suppose, for lack of a better <laughs> better term. Okay. He's got a blade yeah. that's coming from his crotch, and he, he's watching porn, and Nicholas Cage is sneaking <laughs> up behind him, but the guy sees his reflection, so he turns around, and it turns into this fight where he's trying to stab him with his crotch blade, and Nicholas <laughs> Cage is fighting back, and of course he eventually, and, you know, wins, but... Yeah, and, and it's uh, cool, too, that it's like, uh, Nick Cage is this, like, you know, big badass, but he's not, like, invincible, like, he gets a lot as much as he gives, like, you know, he gets beat up pretty good in this movie, too. Oh yeah, when he's captured just before this, he's actually his hand is nailed to the floor. Like he's, you know, he's yeah, he's uh, in pretty rough shape. But he he actually he's looking around the house. He gets his weapons back, and it's, it's actually just this random house. Like these bikers have killed this poor couple in the bedroom. They're just kind of lying there dead. Um, but he finds a jar of stuff, which I can only assume is the LSD that the uh, yeah. the bakers had because he he, he tastes a, just a touch of it, and he he has this vision of a face melting and then some cosmic <laughs> imagery and then he goes and fights yeah. the last baker who's like still alive <laughs> and this is where it gets really kind of like interesting in terms of like trying to interpret what this stuff means because the baker just before nicholas cage like sets him on fire and then cuts off his head he says something like she still burns she's still burning mm-hmm. and you know obviously that upsets him but it's like he wasn't even here for there for that scene the baker didn't know they did that so interesting. So the question I have then is, is like, if this isn't just he's crazy on an LSD, or did the LSD like hmm. grant him like I don't know visions of a different reality, so, like the hell dimension yeah. or, or or whatever we're talking about here? Because from this point on, ever since Nicolas Cage takes this LSD, he also kind of perceives reality differently. He starts seeing the big cosmic shots of the planets. He's you know, it's just after this he goes to the the scene with the chemist, which is. I think easily the most abstract scene in the movie because what yeah. the hell is he talking about? Where is this place? What's going on? Why is there a tiger? Why is there a tiger? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the the guy like just says a lot of really weird things. Like you you're the the the, the dark cosmos or the shadow cosmos, um, mm-hmm. and like, oh they've done some bad things to you, so it's it's to be expected. And so he, he I have a, a couple of interpretations of this. One is that yeah. none of this is really real, and it's just him on LSD, and he's going nuts. Okay. Two, he's on LSD, and it's actually connected him to something where he can see all this crap. Uh, or three, um, to go along with the fact that Jeremiah thinks that he's the, the voice or the, 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 the hand of God, and he thinks he's special because of that, that Nicolas Cage, in a weird way, has actually embraced uh, Satan and embraced hell, in, in order oh, to fight okay. Jeremiah. And it's not so much that the movie's saying that Nicolas Cage has went evil here, it's more that, at least to me, it felt like, no, 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 balance. Like, this, this is someone, it's not so much that, like, heaven, or God is good and the devil's bad, per se, it's more about balance, mm-hmm. and Jeremiah is taking God's, like, ideas to the extreme, and there needs to be okay. an agent of Satan on the opposite side, which is triggered by the tragedy... And then the fact that he takes the LSD and like connects to that world, if you will. And the reason why I say that is because when he's talking to uh, the chemist, he looks down at his feet and he sees like all the the bugs and stuff on the floor that's not really there. But he says, "Oh, you can see them, can't you? You can see the true world." So it's like he's seeing like an alternate plane that's always been here or something. I don't know. I'm, again, 
like this is me going nuts with interpretations. You could, <laughs> uh, what does the tiger represent being free? Because he frees the tiger in this scene, and that, that's where I'm kind of thinking, oh, this is where Nicolas Cage really like the beast is unleashed. Like he is connected yeah. to this thing, and the tiger is let loose. I don't know. Do, no, I think it's. I mean, I think all of that is like pretty fair, and it's like, uh, you know, there there can be instances where a movie, you know, leaves you with a lot of questions, and it's frustrating because it's like, like what, like that didn't make sense, or whatever. But then, you know, there's movies like this where there's definitely a lot of questions, but it, it doesn't make you mad. It like it, it's like you know, it's fun to think about, and it's like uh, it's oh, open to interpretation, but in like a good way. Yeah, it's it's all about intent, and it's all about the the style of the movie because this movie, right from the second it starts, and we start getting the the trippy feeling. You know, this is not a movie that's going to like spell things out. You know, this is a movie that's going to let yeah. you think, and it's all it's that from the the second it starts. Well, there's other movies where they'll they'll kind of pull something at the end that's kind of like, oh, you think of the ending yourself, and it's like, no, the movie wasn't set up for that. You you didn't. This did not work as an ambiguous thing. You just didn't have an ending in mind. Uh, <laughs> so after this, Nicholas Cage he hunts down the cult, and one by one he kills them. And arguably, it's at this point where he becomes a bit more of a Terminator esque in the sense that uh, mm-hmm. maybe lending credence to the fact that he's now connected to something otherworldly. And yeah. he uh, he kills the first guy. He puts his the handle of his axe, which is also sharp, by the way. He made he made the handle at the bottom a blade. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He stabs one guy in the mouth. He throws it at the other guy's head. That's a great scene. <laughs> it's a very great scene. You just see it flying through the air, and mm-hmm. then he fights the guy with the chainsaw. And this is where he pulls out the the, the I don't know seven foot chainsaw, whatever it is. It's something ridiculous. Yeah, I'd completely forgotten that, like, the movie opens up with them, like, you know, uh, like, chopping down trees and stuff. Mm. And, like, and, you know, I feel like, you know, we're used to, like, the Evil Dead kind of chainsaw. Um, But then uh, it's cool that this bad guy brings out this, like, it it looks like some industrial lumber type of chainsaw. And Mm. it's, uh, you know, like, oh, man, this yearns for such a good fight. Yeah, it's good. Because, actually, I mean, even the ending is kind of fun because... It actually ends with him pulling him down onto his own chainsaw. So the guy, at the mm-hmm. end of the scene, he's just kind of lying there. And you don't even see yeah. the chainsaw, it's underneath <laughs> him, but he's just kind of jittering and there's blood pouring out from under. It's, <laughs> as fans of gore, it, there's, there's fun to be had, for sure. Yeah. On top of it's the, definitely like a... Just on top it, of the it, hyper-stylized a... filmmaking, there's, there's, there's gore yeah. to be had. Yeah, I, I think that's what's... Uh... Yeah, what's really great about the movie, like, um, I like, I do like the stuff in the beginning, but I don't know how much I would have liked the movie if that's all the movie was. Like, it's possible I still could have liked it, but like, I know I just love uh, that it this you know that it's like half that and then half just this really crazy, like stylized Evil Dead esque kind of movie with just like you know gore and blood flying everywhere it's and, yeah. the, and it like actually feels like real blood like you can see like you know the splatter on the characters and like oh know, he gets caged by the end it's just drenched yeah he gets drenched <laughs> at one point he's lying underneath one of the guys he's stabbing them or whatever and there's just oh, yeah. blood pouring <laughs> on his face it's it's, it's it's bloody as hell i actually yeah evil dead's an interesting comparison because it does kind of have that wackiness to the violence but at the same time has this completely different tone that again it's, yeah. it's, it's this like almost like cosmic horror tone whilst he's fighting people with chainsaws it's, it's a really weird mix of things yeah. that, and it gives it a, it, a unique it's feel like, yeah it's like if ash like snapped and like was like 
weirdly quiet and like didn't have any quips or anything. Yeah, like, yeah. Bo's just like a brooding menace. <laughs> yeah, he's silent and he's brooding. And after this, when he gets into the building and he cuts off the head of the older woman who's very complicit and everything, there's a lot of great shots of him just walking down like these long hallways with fans behind him, but everything's red and smoky and it just looks great. Like it looks really good. And that's the other thing actually to mention the, the scene with the chemist. That is the only scene in the film that has a completely different look to it because it's very fluorescent mm. and bright and just very neutral light because all of a sudden he's standing there covered in blood but he's not he's not like in a red bathed scene or anything like that he's in this bright white light kind of setting yeah very very clinical yeah it, yeah like it actually feels like i don't know in a way like a little more real or something like oh you're actually like in uh, an actual place now as opposed to like this kind of yeah, like, very, like, stylized, like, locale. Yeah, but would you suggest that the movie's implying that this is the only real scene in the movie and everything else is the fake stuff? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, like, honestly, this is something that I'm really looking forward to, uh, like, sitting down and watching again and trying to, like, you know, make more interpretations because, yeah, like, you know, the first time I saw it, I was just, like, in awe of everything that I didn't really you know like stop to think like oh what what does this specifically mean or something like yeah it's such like a especially just like you know the visuals are so captivating that you know kind of lose track for that so uh, this is actually something i will definitely be revisiting and yeah i'm looking forward to that's why that's why about a little more yeah that's why i keep saying hypnotic because the visuals and the audio just Mm -hmm. do so much even before anything else kicks in but it gets it gets to jeremiah and Jeremiah doesn't really stand much of a chance. He's kind of it's kind of like when Batman gets to the Joker. The Joker's not much of a fighter. Once once he gets to him, it's kind of over. But he he basically tries to tell him that he's also special, and then he kneels and he even offers to suck his dick. Like that's one thing he says. Like please, please. He starts to beg. He says please, don't hurt me. I'll suck your dick. And then and then he sh- he shifts again to be like, you know what? No, I'm better than you. You bow before me. Get on your knees and bow to me. I am I am above you. And what I love about this is that. It really shows him as a character that he's a he's a complete coward, but at the same time he still has these delusions of grandeur. And it's like he tries begging, he sees that doesn't work, so he's like, you know what? I'm going out believing I'm better than you. I'm going to remind you before yeah. I go that I'm better than you. Uh, and it just that that flipping back and forth really made him an interesting villain to me. And then I think it's why the movie worked. Even if you don't want to interpret it, even if you want to say, okay, there's no supernatural things going on, they're not connected to uh, the cosmic horror of all or heaven or hell, all of that is completely made up. I think that also works as well because you have these characters who believe in this stuff, these bikers who they believe are like better than, you know, these things that they should make offerings to. And you have Jeremiah where it all boils down to he wants to feel important. And people have used religion in this way in the past where they want to feel that they're important because of how close they are to it. And he uses this for power. And ultimately, the, the reason why the movie works, if that's what you want to take it as, if you want to take it just as that, is that Nicolas Cage comes up at the end and says, no, you're not more important. You will get get away with this. I'm putting you in your place. You are not You are not special. You did, you, you've done bad things, and here's your comeuppance. You, you, don't, you don't get away with this. And on that level, it still works. Um, so that's why I think it works if you think there's actually heaven and hell or cosmic horror at play. It works if you just want to take it as the... No, no, this is a man who believed he was powerful and that he could take anything and do anything he wanted and about yep. his comeuppance. It works in both ways. And, so, yeah. and, and what's great is, like, you know, he is, like, so weak and such a coward and stuff. And really, the only power, the only weapon that he has is that he somehow has convinced people that mm-hmm. he's powerful. And you see, like, a Nick Cage, like, 
you know, he is basically he's killing like, you know, every person that believes that of him. So he's like, you know, systematically taking away all the power that he has until at the end he's just, you know, like this vulnerable guy that's willing to do anything to get out of the situation, which is, yeah, yeah, it's just, it's great to see him just, yeah, like really like, no, like I've taken every, like you took away like, you know, the thing that I loved and I, you know, now I've like taken everything away from you. Yeah, it, it, it does a really good job of making you want them to die, and it's just the sort of thing where this movie's not about the morality of really being, you know, going for revenge in the real world. It's not that type of movie. If anything, it's more of a parable. It's more of a, it's, you know, it's more of a representation of emotions than it is actual, this is what you should do in real life if this happens to yeah. you. Yeah, oh, sure, sure. Um, in that words, and he actually kills him just by squeezing his head. He just squeezes his head until it pops. It's, it's also delightful. Yeah. And then the final shots of the movie is Nicolas Cage riding off essentially into the sunset. But it's, mm-hmm. it's again, it's this other world. There's like multiple planets in the sky bringing back the cosmos and that conversation about the planets. That, that's what made me think of the Galactus stuff. I'm like, oh, he basically became Galactus. Yeah. He, he ate everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, that's good. Yeah. You know, metaphorically speaking. And he looks over to the, the side of him and he sees Mandy sitting there in the, in, the, in, the, in the car with him. And I'm like, is he connected to this like other plane? Can he really see her? Is, is this, or is it just a hallucination? Is is he just screwed up like the bakers forever now? Is that what we're doing? Like you know, again, you could read it in a number of different ways. Um, you know, so let's uh, cool. Let's let's not gloss over the glorious <laughs> smile that he has. Oh when yes. he's looking at her. Actually, speaking of uh, his facial reactions, not only is that smile at the end great, uh, when he snaps the neck. I think I think it's Blade Dick. That's the one he snaps the neck of. When he snaps the neck, he the way he like just sort of looks really dramatically, almost right at the camera. After he does it, because he sort of does it really quick, and he's like, and he just sort of looks really dead, oh, yeah, dead yeah. serious, <laughs> looks straight ahead. Uh, that that was a great Nicolas Cage expression. Uh, that that was cracking me up. Ah, so good. Yeah, so so good. But no, like so, I think as interpretations, I think you can read it a d- c- couple of different ways. Um, but even if you're you're not even doing that, the visuals and the audio, the crazy Nicholas Cage stuff, um, it all really comes down to: um, Are you going to find a film with this style tedious? Do you like something that's a bit more traditional? If so, oh yeah, um, then yeah, it's probably not for you. But if you do like something a bit more art house, a bit more, uh, a bit more abstract, a bit more hypnotic, then I think it, yeah. you're into it. Yeah, like if you're okay with. Um you know, like less maybe, uh, you know, like less plot and jump scares and that kind of stuff. But you like, uh, you know, someone really expressing their vision and just, you know, really just, you know, creating a setting for you and letting you just kind of breathe it in and get absorbed into it. Like, yeah, and you know, ar- this is definitely that kind of. Obviously, what happens to Mandy's is the, the the real horror of the movie, but arguably <laughs> an extension of that. The, the the true horror of it you know beyond like the what might be like connected to supernatural stuff and god and devil and whatever else yeah. is the fact that if you just take it you know as as uh as realistically as possible they basically turn a man into a monster they, they take everything away from yep. him and it turns him into this true violent killer mm-hmm. and that's the horror of it like you know violence begets violence and for for people mm-hmm. who are you know claiming to be devout followers of god uh, they've created their own personal sin. Um, and, yeah. yeah, so, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a thing. <sighs> Man, it really makes me wish that uh, 
<laughs> that like this was the Ghost Rider movie we got instead of oh, the actual. Ghost. <laughs> it's Ghost actually, you can make some comparisons to Batman. The idea that Nicolas Cage's character <laughs> dies uh, the same moment his wife does, and this other persona is born, this violent, vengeful persona. Yeah. Obviously, that's not who Batman is, but just the idea that they, he changes. Like there's this new version of him after that scene. Yeah, yeah, um, I, I can definitely see that. Uh, man. It's, yeah, it's weird. Like, it does feel weird to kind of like talk about some of it because it does feel like so visual. Like, it's oh, yeah. like, like you know, there's so much you know we can describe. But man, it's just one of those things. Like, you really just got to like see for yourself. It's just it's uh, funny because of its slower pacing, because it really basks in the sort of the image of a lot of the moments. It's actually two hours long, despite the fairly simple plot. But for me, it never like dragged or felt like it was, you know, yeah. Yeah, like I, I think, yeah, even if it is maybe a slower scene of just people talking, like just the, yeah, the like style of it and everything, it, it still like sucks you in that, you know, and, and hey, I'm, yeah, I'm someone that can like get bored pretty easily. So, oh, we know. like, you know, <laughs> the fact that I'm like, you know, all in on this, you know, it's, uh, it's gotta say something. Yeah. Uh, so I guess with that, we should probably rate the movie. Hmm. Uh, I'm gonna go. I mean, I gotta go pretty high for this. Like, I really dug it. Uh, you know, something like I, you know, I still think about or we'll get glimpses in my head. And you know, it's definitely something that, uh, you know, as soon as the Blu ray's out, I'm gonna scoop up and watch again. I'm really excited about it. So, I'm gonna, I gotta give this bad boy a nine. I, I, <laughs> I really dug it. Yeah, I'm, uh, I think I'm going to go just a smidge low, and just a smidge, 8.5. I think I'm going with 8.5. It might rise in time. Again, this is one of these ones where I think if you, when you watch it again, you think about it more. Um, but everything that's there was super, was super great. Every, every like the yeah. visuals, the audio, Nicholas Cage's performance, the the way really the, the the plot is handled, despite how simple it is, the gore, everything about it, like was really firing in all cylinders for me. Um, mm. And I think it could rise in time, but for now I'm going to give it an eight point five, and I'm going to see how I feel. Um, it's the sort of thing where even before I see it again, I might I might bump it by the end of the year. I, I think I want I want to let this one sit. I want to think about it more for a while. That that's fair. I, I think you just watched it today. Too. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I yeah like I like I I've sat on it for like uh, about a week now. So it's like I, I I know like sometimes it is kind of hard though. Like it's. Uh, you know, like with newer movies, you never want to go like too high right away. You want to give it some time. But yeah, like honestly, like, you know, I'm trying to think if there was like, you know, something about it that I didn't like. Like, you know, even if it was like, oh, well, I like most of it, but man, this one scene didn't work for me or this or that or whatever. And uh, yeah, I can't really think of anything that like, oh. you know, would drag the it fact, down that much for me. not mentioned yet the fact that it has these really weird like chapter headings. There's only three of them. But oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They come up in the screen, and it's like each one has a very different font. In fact, the first one that just says like, "Oh, this is like the mountains where they live," it's like the Disney mm-hmm. font. It's like this sparkly Disney yeah. text that comes up saying "so and so mountains," and it says uh, "1983 AD," and I'm like, "Oh, okay, mm-hmm. AD." Yeah. I'm glad you specified like... that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's like weird little touches like that. I love. There's like some animated sequences which I really like. Like I've actually been yeah. like they really were, they... wanting like just like. All of which are dream sequences. It's worth pointing out. They're all dream sequences that animate yeah. stuff. Yeah, and it just really made me crave, like, man, I would love to see, like, a full-on, like, you know, 
uh, like serious animated horror movie. I just think that would be so cool. Yeah, <laughs> as it, like a dude that grew up loving cartoons and yeah, horror the, and stuff. I'd love that. They're all dreams that Nicolas Cage has about his wife. Every every time he sleeps after it happens, he has these like weird animated visions of her, um, and it's just part of his inspiration <laughs> to get up and fight, mm. if you will. Uh, so no, uh, Mandy's very very good. Uh, so by all means, let us know what you thought of the movie in the comments. It's worth mentioning Patreon.com/slash/MailFuzzTV if you want to support the show and the channel and everything we do here. Of course, because it is September, this is actually the last episode we are recording before yeah. October uh, because we've got one ready for next week and then um, we have a lot of episodes planned for for October. But Tim's getting married, so Tim's actually gone for a few weeks. Uh, you won't notice the absence because there's tons of episodes ready to go up, mm-hmm. but. Uh, this is the last one we're actually recording before October. So it's worth mentioning that there are three votes this month. Patreon always gets a vote every month uh, at $5 tier. But they, they're getting two $5 votes this month. Plus there's a free vote for everyone. There's a link in the description for everyone to go and vote on an anthology movie for us to do next month in October. Uh, and then the patrons get two other votes. They get the franchise starter vote, which is three different franchised movies where we'll continue. The, we'll do the first one in October and then we'll continue onwards like we've been doing with Friday the 13th and stuff like that that past october and then the other vote is a uh, universal classic universal monster movies so those are the votes uh coming up for october and of course the october thon if you if you weren't aware we do a bunch of episodes in october instead of doing one a week some, sometimes we do two it just kind of depends uh on, on schedules and stuff this, this week ended up in two because of the uh, the two releases but uh in october we're doing like four a week to f- maybe sometimes five depending <laughs> so yeah Look forward to that, and you can get a bunch of different episodes. There's some classics coming up. There's some fun B movies coming up. There's a bunch of different things, and of course, later in the month when Tim gets back from his uh his marriage slash honeymoon, are you going on a honeymoon? I can't remember. Uh, not right away. Not right um, away. Okay. We'll be taking yeah, we're taking a trip in December, and then but that's more of a family thing. But then we'll probably have like a proper one some point next year. Yes. You don't have to explain it to the audience. I was I was trying to remember if, uh, <laughs> if, if, that, if that was part of the the vacation here. But no. Uh, so when Tim gets back, no, I just though, wanna... <laughs> let everyone know. Yeah, fill everyone was... in your plans. Yeah. Uh, when Tim gets back, though, of course, we've got the new Halloween movie in October to talk about. Mm-hmm. Plus, we'll be doing the Patreon picks, and we've got a couple of other things we want to plan uh, in the last bit of October. Uh, hopefully, a little countdown is on the cards. Uh, that's something we're hoping to do. So, uh, but that's yeah. So October's coming up. It's exciting. Look forward to October month of Halloween. It is horror Christmas. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah, true and it's such. a yeah, and, and not just with like us, you know, watching movies and stuff. Like, uh, you know, I think it'd be fun if people like let us know what they're watching. Like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you got the uh, the Twitter handle for the podcast and our Twitter handles. Like, you know, you can like uh, you know reach what, out to us, but like, well, you hey, brought man, them up, just watch this, sir. <laughs> you brought them up, Tim. What is the Twitter handle? Yeah. for the podcast. <laughs> uh, Screams Midnight, I think. Yes, at Screams Midnight. <laughs> that sounds right. For, for the Twitter, yes. And you get me on Twitter at Wibble89, and you get Tim at Tim Virgulish. Um, but that is us. You know, you know, like, subscribe, rate us on the iTunes or your podcast app of choice, and highly, of course. Um, but that is us. So thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching the scary movies, guys, and we'll see you next time.